Today is Vision Sunday. It's a Sunday that we really like to remind ourselves of why do we do what we do? What is God up to in our church? What's he up to in our lives? What is he up to? What does he want from us? And so uh, Vision Sunday is really for us to go back and just remind our th- ourselves of the things God has for us in store. And so I want to kick off with a scripture from Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It says, where there is no vision, people just perish. Man, it's chaos when there's no vision. And you know people like this. One translation says that where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. And so what that means is, like you've seen people who, they're just wandering around in life, like aimlessly, and they're, they're, they're shooting at all of these different targets because they have no vision for their life. And so uh, I love the way the message paraphrase says it, that if you can't see what God is doing, you stumble all over yourself. But when you attend to what he reveals, that's when you are the most blessed. And I think all of you would say, Pastor Ben, I want to be most blessed. I want that for my life. I want the blessing of God in my life. In order to have that, we've got to attend to what he reveals. Well, that, that, that was a good place to say amen, by the way. Just, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, what? I got to do what he wants? What? Right? I can't have the blessing and just do whatever I want? No, we got to do what he wants, right? So... Um, so God all throughout scripture has given us four things over and over and over and over again. He just keeps telling us these four things from Exodus to, uh, Isaiah to Colossians, Ephesians, even in, um, in Jesus great commission, the great commission. I read an article this week that says only 17% is research shows that only 17% of churchgoers know the great commission. And if you don't know the Great Commission, it's not your fault. Um, But I want to teach it to you real quick. It's not what our message is about today. But the Great Commission is that Jesus said in his last words, I want you to go into all of the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Make disciples out of all the nations. That is the Great Commission. It's his last words. And so what, what, what we see throughout Scripture is that God wants us to do four things. He wants us to see lost people saved. I'm thankful for that, by the way. Come on, because I, w- I once was lost, but now I'm found. That he wants to see saved people pastored. Then he wants to see pastored people trained. And then trained people sent out into the world, mobilized to go make a difference for eternity's sake. Amen? So the way we say it is that God really wants us to know him. He wants us to know God. And you may notice that your notes today, first time in the history of City Hope, there are three pages of notes in your worship guide today. So y'all, y'all be ready to write those fill in the blanks and to know God. And this is not a, it's not a, um, a, a know him in your mind, know him in your thoughts. This is a life-giving relationship. It's not piety. It's not religion. It's not rules. It is relationship. It is, it, it is personally gnosko. That Greek word just means to, to experience him, to have an experience with God, to intimately know him. And that's what he wants for us. And, and I love how Paul says it to Timothy. He says, the, the sad part is that there's a lot of people who have missed the most important thing, and that is they don't even know God. They don't know God. And if you're here today and you don't know God, I want you to know we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to to know Jesus, to invite him into your life, to lead you and to guide you. But if you do know God, 
if, if you've recently given your life to Jesus, there's a next step for you. And that next step is for you to go public with your faith. That next step is for you to be water baptized, to show the world. The way, Paul, the way Peter says it is in baptiz- baptism, we show that we've been saved from death and doom. So baptism is a demonstration to everybody else that I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going public with my faith. And if that's you, uh, next Sunday is your day because the first Sunday of every month, we baptize people here. And you don't, have to, you don't have to sign up for it. You can just show up. We'll, we'll have everything you need from towel to shorts and shirts and underwear and photographers. And uh, we probably have hair product too, right? If you've got an appointment after that, come on. We'll just take care of you because this is the next step. Jesus illustrated it for us. He wants this for our life to be water baptized. So, so you can do that next week. Now, if you do know God and you've been baptized, then your next step is to find freedom, to find freedom. Well, freedom from what, Pastor Ben? Like, what's, what's freedom? Well, freedom from, freedom from your hurts, freedom from the habits, the hang-ups, the issues, freedom from all of the things that you've been dealing with in life, freedom from the things that have been keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't really have any issues, Pastor Ben. That's your issue. <laughs> that you don't have any issues, right? We all have issues. And we, we have issues, and we need God to help us get past these issues. So when you get saved, when you give your life to God, it's called salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. Okay. When you give your life to Jesus, you're saved instantaneously. You're forgiven. Something miraculous happens. God washes away your sins, and you are made perfect in Jesus. But then, in order to work out some things in our lives... There's this other part that God has for us called sanctification. Everybody say that, sanctification. All right, sanctification is a process. And sometimes it might take your whole life (laughs) to be sanctified from something. Come on, salvation is a moment's notice. Sanctification is a process. And God wants to work things out in us through, through small groups. That's the primary way that we help you, uh, that we, that we, allow God to sanctify us is through small groups. And those are launching today. Today, today, everybody, small groups are kicking off. Yeah. And uh, we have more small groups, I think, than we've ever had. And, and I think we need small groups more than we ever have needed small groups. I think we really need relationships. And so, um, so small groups kick off today. And if you are not sure what group to, to be part of, um, join a few groups, join a couple groups, stick with the one that you like, or maybe you still can't find one. Uh, my recommendation would be get in a freedom group. Get in a freedom group. It's 13 weeks long this semester, and I promise you, it's the only group that I want everybody at City Hope Church to go through. I'm telling you, it, it, it will change your life if you go all in. Can I get a good witness from my freedom people in the house? Yeah, yeah. So it's powerful. It's really good. Well, the third thing is, is this. We're going to discover purpose. God wants us. Uh, he wants lost people saved to know him. He wants those saved people pastored, right, to, be, to get in a small group. And then he wants, he wants those pastored people to be trained by discovering their purpose. Discover what God has in store for you. Discover the plan that God has for you. And Paul says it this way in Acts, that, that I consider my life worth nothing to me. 
My only aim is to finish the race. It's, it's like he says, my life is worth nothing unless I complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And I need you to know that you have a task, that you have a purpose, that God has ordained you from the very beginning to have purpose and destiny. And there's something that God wants for your life. Come on, you're not just here to take up space. You're here to make a difference in this world. And so I, I believe uh, that that's the fourth step is that God calls us then after we discover purpose to make a difference to make a difference but not just any difference an eternal difference he's calling us to make an, a difference in the lives of people to, to plunder hell and populate heaven and to do it with joy come on you, you ever been to a church that's just like everybody's kind of like yeah I tell you what serving the Lord is the best thing that ever happened to me and you're like, please, tell your face, right? Like, <laughs> tell your emotions that is the best thing that ever happened to you. Come on. Like, no, we're supposed to be filled with joy that we get to do this. We don't have to serve God. Come on. Serving God ought to be a joy, not a drag. Come on. It's something we get to do. We don't, we don't have to do it, all right? And so that's, that's the four parts of our vision, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And the way we make a difference is through, through our dream team. The way you discover purpose is through the growth track. Uh, in fact, today is fast track. If, if, you're, um, if you're wanting to knock out all three steps of the growth track today, then that, today's your day. Like at one o'clock, we're gonna do all three steps. And then next Sunday, it'll start over with step one. We'll talk about vision and membership. And that's how you join the church. Step two is about discovering your, your, your gifts and the things that God's put inside of you. And step three is then take these gifts and use them. Go make a difference in the lives of people. So the way we make a difference is through the dream team. It's those parking lot guys, the parking team out there. They're making a difference. Come on, it's the, it's the production and worship and ushers and greeters and the people that brewed your coffee. Come on, we ought to give them a round of applause right now. Thank you for the coffee. Woo! Thank you for the coffee and the peppermints, too, because I know y'all don't want that coffee breath. You know what I'm saying? You just uh, got to have the peppermints, too. So it's the people that are, they've discovered what their purpose is in life, and they're making a difference with their life. So, so today, what I want to do is I wanted to, sh I wanted to remind you of our vision, what God wants for us, but then I really want to spend most of our time today talking about finding freedom. I want to talk, talk about why we need each other in this life. I want to talk about why we need one another, why we need small groups, why is it such a big deal, why do we do these kinds of things? You see, uh, a lot of people think that the first problem in the Bible was sin, but the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was seclusion. It was seclusion. It was solitude. What are you talking about, Pastor Ben? It was, it was when the devil tempted Eve. No, 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 this is before that. But the devil doesn't show up until chapter 3. In chapter 2, God has created everything, and he looks down and says, boy, that's not good for man to be alone. I, I, need, I need to get him some help. I, I need somebody to be there with him. And I want to tell us today that really we can't do life alone. I know we're trying to. I know we try to muscle up. We try to power through. And we're going to, man, I can do this. I'm a man. I'm, you know, I'm independent. I'm, I'm, I'm a planner. I can do this. No, 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 no. God says it's not good for us to do it alone. We can't do it alone. So what I want to do is show you five 
five principles that Jesus teaches us in the book of John, okay? So um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. They look, at, they look at the story of Jesus through the same lens. But then you have the book of John, and it's written a little bit differently. And John gives us the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, all right? And so he's having this conversation, Jesus is, with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. It starts at the Passover meal, the Last Supper, okay? So Jesus has got all of his disciples in the room celebrating the Passover. And it was customary in those days that whenever you had guests into your home, somebody would be there, a servant would be there to wash the feet of the the people who came in the house. And so they would, you know, they didn't have closed-toed shoes like us, I'm guessing. They they had just some Jerusalem cruisers and and, uh, they had some sandals on and they had been walking through uh, dirt and mud and other four-letter words that you could think of that really just, um, but not the one that starts with the S, but other words that, you know, just like you, you walking through all that stuff and you, he sits down, he kneels down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And, um, and this is when Peter speaks up and in, and in John chapter 13, Peter says, no, you're not gonna wash my feet. Jesus, you, I mean, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. I mean, you're, you're, you're so important to me. I've been following you for three years, but Lord, I'm not letting you in the dirty parts of my life. I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you in the dirty parts, the, the, the vulnerable parts of my life. And we do that with God sometimes, by the way. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for making me clean. Thank you for giving me hope and salvation. Thank you for giving me new life. But Lord, I, I mean, there's some places in my life, God, that's just really off limits to you. I don't want you meddling in my business. I don't want you getting up in my stuff, Jesus. And to to that, Jesus replied, well, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you let me have all of you, unless you you let me have all of your life, then you can't have any of my life. And I wonder how many of us, we have some of God in our lives, but we don't have all of God. And I wonder how many of us, we've let God be in parts of our lives, but we haven't let him be in all of our lives. Come on, can I get a witness right there? That we've, we, we just put up some walls and we say, God, that's far enough, God. We're not comfortable with you getting any closer. We don't want you messing with our past and the abuse and the addictions and the issues. We, we don't want you messing with all that stuff, all of the hurt. We don't want, you, we don't want to let you in. And so we, we put up a wall. How many of us are saved but we're not letting God sanctify us. We're not letting him take us on this spiritual journey of getting free from, from some things. And I, I, I can kind of tell that we have, it's a pretty serious discussion today. So um, I just thought that this would be a good place for a joke. All right, we're going <laughs> to, thought it'd be a good place for a joke and a Boudreaux joke at that. Um, I love Boudreaux jokes. So, so Boudreaux went to the doctor one time and um, he went to the doctor, he had boudin hanging out of his nose and uh, crawfish coming out of his ears. And the doctor's like, Boudreaux, what is, what's wrong with you? And Boudreaux said, I don't know, doc, it's bad. I got all this stuff coming out my ears and my nose and my eyes. And the doctor said, well, Boudreaux, we're going to have to look at this. I can't make a diagnosis today. We're going to have to study. And so he sent Boudreaux home. 
A couple days later, the doctor calls Boudreaux and he says, Boudreaux, I got good news, bad news. Boudreaux says, well, give me the good news first. He said, well, the good news is you got 24 hours to live. He said, well, man, what's the bad news? He said, I tried to call you yesterday. <laughs> Y'all know that's, that's funny. So, <laughs> that's good. All right, so um, I got good news for you and I got bad news for you. Good news is you can get free from the past. God can do a work in your life. Bad news, you can't do it by yourself. Come on, you can't do it alone. That's also good news, by the way, that we need other people. That's the good. That's good. We can't do this by ourselves. So I want to show you today the five things that we learn in John that Jesus teaches us. Okay, it's the last discussion before he's crucified. And in John 13, he teaches us that I need people who will care for me. I need people in my life who will be there for me. I need people in my life who are going to be there on my darkest day. Come on, somebody. Like when, when things aren't going well. And Jesus teaches us this principle. Chapter 13, he says that it says when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place at the table. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? To which the disciples probably said, well, of course, you washed our feet, Jesus. I mean, we, we were dirty. You cleaned us up. And, and he responds, he says, well, uh, that part wasn't in here. I'm just, I'm just speculating. That's probably what they're thinking. And so he, he says, you call me teacher. You call me Lord because of, that's what I've done for you. You've been with me for three and a half years watching me heal people and doing all of these miracles. And, and you're impressed by that. And, and that's what I am. I'm a teacher and I'm your Lord. And he goes on to say, but now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. In other words, now that... I've gotten into the dark places of your life. Now that I've cared for you in some areas that you were vulnerable, now that I've done this, you also should wash one another's feet. You also ought to be taking care of people. And he says, I've set an example that you should do as I have done. So, so disciples, church, New Testament, City Hope Church, if, if we want to be a New Testament church, then we're going to have to be caregivers and care receivers. We're going to have to get down in the mud and the mire and the dirt and, and all of the stuff that we, we might think is a little messy sometimes and just get knee deep in it with some people and care for them in the middle of their darkest days. Come on. That we ought to be there because we're going to want somebody to be there for us. I love what Ecclesiastes says. Solomon says it's better to have a partner than to try to do it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. The problem with our society is we don't want to share the wealth. So I'm just going to do all the work by myself. And when, and when you do all the work by yourself, you're going to fall down. And when you do, there's nobody to help you. There's nobody there to help you, and it's tough. One translation says, I pity the, I pity the fool. Pity the man that falls and has no one to help him up. I love how Paul says it in, in, um, in Romans. He says, you ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So when somebody's going through a really good time in life, hey, don't be jealous. Don't, don't be envious of them. Celebrate with them. But when they're going through a tough time, mourn with them as well. He says again in 1 Corinthians that, that if one part suffers, every part suffers. Every part suffers. And so this is why... 
as you get in a group this week, as you are finding a small group, whether it's freedom, whatever kind of group it is, I'm asking you to inform your group leader of your care needs, to tell them what's going on in your life. Because uh, for many of you who are new here, you would, you would want to know that the pastoral care of City Hope Church really happens through small groups. Um, in different churches, maybe it's the pastor who visits every time somebody's in the hospital or every time somebody needs a home visit or they're sick. And what we've decided is that we want to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. All right, because people are gifted and they're passionate about those things. But that's where small group happens. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be there for you, but I'm telling you, us being there for you is the second best option than your small group being there for you. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again today, that it won't hurt my feelings if I'm the last one to know about a, about a pastoral care in our church, about a need within our church, if the small groups are taking care of it. In fact, I heard from a guy this week who went, he's gone through just really hard time over the last two weeks and I, I called him and he said I just want you to know I haven't felt uncared for during this time come on that's what small groups are about that we care for one another on our darkest days well number two Jesus this is chapter 14 John 14 he's still in this conversation with his disciples and he teaches us here a principle and that is that I need people who will encourage me Come on, I need somebody who will lift me up. I need somebody who will give me an attaboy, right? Come on, I need somebody who will slap me on the back and say, you got this, brother. I need somebody in my life who will say, man, you're, you're doing better than you think you are. You're a great dad. Man, I, I wish I could be a mom like you. You're, you're so patient with the kids. We need somebody who will lift us up, who will encourage us. So the principle comes from John 14, where uh, in, in verse 1, he says, guys, don't listen don't let your hearts be troubled. And Jesus is about to go to the cross, by the way. I mean, he's, he's about to be crucified, and he says, it's going to be okay, guys. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled over this. Trust in God. Everything's going to be okay. Trust. We got this. Trust in me. We can do this. And so Hebrews, Paul said, uh, I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but we, a lot of people assume it's Paul. We believe it's Paul. We don't know who wrote it. But he says, encourage one another daily. Come on, lift people up daily, as long as it's called today. Well, how do I encourage them? What should I do? Why should I do it? Encourage people so that they don't become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Come on, we've got to encourage. So as you get in a group this week, I I know you're going to. I know you're going to get in a group. As you get in a group, I want you to exchange numbers with everybody in your group and check on them regularly. I want you, I want you to just have this kind of expectation. Maybe in your small group you have a, you say, hey, this week, you two, man, check on one another. You two, you two, you two, us two. We're gonna do it this week. Next week we'll switch it up and just check on one another. How you doing this week, brother? Hey, sister, what's, what's going on? How can I pray for you? How can I lift you up and encourage one another? That, hey, you may be going through a hard time right now, but better days are ahead. Come on, it's not the end. God still has a plan for your life. Amen? So, I need people who care. I need people who encourage. In John 15, the, the conversation continues, and Jesus teaches a principle that I need people who will partner with me. They're gonna care for me. They're gonna encourage me. But I need some people who will come alongside me. 
Hey, I need some people that, man, if I, if I got something going on at the house and I just need an extra hand, I can call somebody from small group and they'll be there. You know what I mean? If, if, if I'm going through something, I, I just got somebody that, man, I can trust I, that they're going to be with me. So what, is, what does this look like to partner? It's, it's teamwork. And Jesus teaches this principle in John 15 that if we remain in him and he remains in us, no branch can bear fruit by itself. So we can't do this by ourselves. He says it must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So you, you want, man, you want to produce the fruit of the spirit? You can't do it apart from God. You want more joy in your life? You can't do it apart from God. You want more peace in your life? It ain't happening apart from God. The next verse, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And I feel that way sometimes in life that, man, I can't do much without some people right beside me. That we is better than me. Right? That, to, that, that when we all do a little, together we can do a lot. That many hands make light work. Those are some principles that, that I've learned through the years that we need each other, that we're better together. I love how Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes that, that two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. Come on, they can do it faster, they can do it better. And guess what? It's a whole lot more fun when you have somebody with you than when you're out just doing it by yourself. When you're alone, that's when the enemy speaks. Come on. Nobody cares about you. Look, you're, all, you're out here just doing this by yourself. No, nobody even cares. They don't even know your name, bro. And that's the way the enemy works. So two are better than one. And so as you get in a group this week, here's what I'm asking you to do. As you get in a group, I want you to do a serve project together. Because there's something about serving together. Um, on, on serve day, a couple last, last month in July... We had hundreds of people out serving and making a difference all, all across Wichita County. And uh, even in Vernon, we had people there serving. And uh, we were doing some yard work over at, um, in one part of town. And th this guy in, in his little shack, literally, I mean, it, it, was, it was a mess. It was a mess. And we walk in, and his roof's falling down, his ceiling's falling out. I mean, it's got holes where what air condition he had these window units, it was just pouring through the roof. I mean, it wasn't cool in there. What did we do? And we, just, we just went to action. We just put our faith in action. We went and got what we needed to fix that and to just make a little difference in his life. Boy, I'd love to build him a brand new home, but what I could do is we could fix his immediate needs just right then and say, hey, we don't want anything for this. We're just here to be a blessing. And I was able to do it with people that I, that I love, the pe people that were in this together, Right? It made a difference. It, it was serving together. So Jesus teaching, he's teaching us principles. And then in verse chapter, uh, chapter 16, he teaches us that I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. Why do we need protection? Because we all have blind spots, don't we? <laughs> Every one of us have something in our lives that we don't know about but everybody else does, right? You know what I'm talking about. There's something everybody else can see, but we have a hard time seeing it. And there's actually some things in our lives that we can't see and nobody else can see.
And we need protection. We need, we need, Jesus says, you need somebody to have your back. You need somebody who will walk with you. You need somebody who will watch out for you. And he teaches us this principle in John 16, verse 1. It says that all of this I've told you so that you won't go astray. Now this word astray is the, is the Greek word skandalizo. Skandalizo. It sounds real familiar, doesn't it? It's where we get our word scandal. So what Jesus is saying here is, I'm telling you this. I'm trying to get you to a point in your life where, where if you'll do what I'm teaching you, your life won't end up as a scandal. That you won't end up on the front page of the paper. That you won't be waiting in a holding cell somewhere waiting to talk to an attorney because, man, you did something that was scandalous. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, guys, so that you'll live your life in such a way, man, you won't, you won't go that direction. You won't go astray. And I think it's a principle we need. In fact, uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, I mean, this guy, he had money, he had wealth, he had everything he could, could want, everything that you could desire in life, this guy had it. Yet he says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Hey, the predator isn't looking somewhere in the herd. He's looking for the, the prey who, who's separated from the herd. He's looking for somebody who's like, man, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm just going to, I'm good. I don't need anybody else. And you'll be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back. And three are even better than that because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So we need somebody to just ask us some tough questions along the way. And I, I, I came across um, some stuff about John Wesley this week. John Wesley is the father of the Methodist movement. Um, and he, he started this movement many, many hundreds years ago, probably close to 100 years ago, to, uh, to close to a couple hundred years ago, I mean. And uh, so, I mean, he, he started it through small groups. That's one of, one of his, um, that's one of the things he did. He would meet together with, with people and they would ask each other 21 questions. Now, I don't have 21 questions to give you, but I, we've kind of narrowed it down to seven. And they would ask these questions in small groups. Questions like, have you been in a compromising situation this week? A another question like, have you, have you, any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Did you cheat somebody? Did you, were you fair? Number three, have you, have you viewed any sexually explicit material if you looked at pornography have you spent quality time in, in bible study and prayer have you given your family the priority time or are you just giving them leftovers have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling are you doing what god has purposed for you to do and then number seven you telling me the truth <laughs> have you lied to me and you go yeah man it's not good I'm just kind of bluffing. It's really not good at all. Things aren't well. And the person on the other side of that, they're not going to go, you dirty piece of... They're not going to do that. They're not going to say, you, you dog, I can't believe you'd lie. Man, don't you know? No, they're not going to do that. What they're going to say is, man, I've, I've been there before. I, I know how you feel. Man, I've walked through some of the same things you're walking through. And I promise you, it's going to get better. And don't hang your hat on these issues that you're seeing right now. Come on, you've got to lift up your eyes. Where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
And so you just get free from that. A lot of times we want to put on the facade that, no, everything's good, I'm fine, no problems. But we got problems. Let's just be honest about them. Come on, let's, and, and here's the thing. You, you need to tell somebody. You can't tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Because you will always be as sick as your secrets. You'll always be as sick as, as sick as the things that you don't want anybody else to know. So, as you get in a group this week, what I want you to do is I want you to ask one another the hard questions. And at first, you're not going to want to do it. At first, you're going to be like, yeah, things are great. I mean, no problems here. It's just uh... <laughs> Over time, it's going to be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Things aren't good. Yeah, I, man, I, I blew up on somebody. I really need God to help me with my anger. And just ask one another the hard questions and commit. And I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth. I'm gonna be honest. Number five, the fifth thing God shows us, John 17, is that I need people who will pray for me. I need people who will pray for me. Can I get a witness there? Amen. Amen, yeah. You need somebody who will lift you up before the Lord, who will call on your name, who will pray to God, asking him to meet your needs, whatever they are. And Jesus teaches us this in John 17, two different verses here, that, that after Jesus, th this is a scripture where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? He's, this is moments before he's arrested, moments before Judas betrays him publicly. And after this, he looked toward heaven. He's, he's praying in the garden, and he says, I pray for them. He says, I'm, I'm praying for them, my disciples. I'm not praying for the world right now, Father. I'm praying for those that you have given me. And he teaches us this principle here. And, and that is that if you, like, like he knows that if he can, if he prays for the, if he prays for the disciples, if they're covered in prayer, if they're healthy, they can change the world. They can make a difference. They can go out and change all of, all of the, the history from here on out, right? And that's what they did. So he prays for them in that moment. He didn't pray for the world. He prayed for those closest to him. And I think it's a principle that we can learn. I pray for the world. I pray for the lost people of Wichita Falls. I pray for them and I ask God to send them in. I ask him to trust us with their souls. Will, he send, will you send them to City Hope, God? Will you bring them in? But I want you to know I pray for you. And I pray that God will heal your marriages. And I pray that God will do a work in your finances. And I pray that God will give you a better job. than the, I pray that he'll bless you with more than you need so you can be a blessing with the people around you. I pray that God will touch your heart. I pray that God will heal your diseases. I pray that God will bless you in every way. I pray over you. Because I need you to be healthy. Because if we're healthy as a church, we can change Texoma, everybody. But God forbid we change this region and fall apart while doing it. God forbid we make a difference in our city, but we lose everything that's close to us in the process. That's a tragedy. And so we need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. And I want to make you a promise today. I'm promising you that if you will get in a group, the leaders have been trained. I've asked Pastor Caleb, Pastor Derek, I want you to take my notes from today and I want you to send them to every small group leader. Because I want us to do this. 
And I'm promising you, if you'll get in a group, you will be prayed for every single day. You'll be lifted up to Jesus. I can't pray for the masses name by name every single day, but, but 45 small group leaders can. They can lift you up. They can call out to God on your behalf. And so I'm, I'm praying that for you today. Let me close with this. The scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 6, that as we pray for you, what's going to happen is we're going to live the reality that prayer is essential last year we were trying to figure out what's essential in the middle of the pandemic what's essential what's essential hey everybody prayer is essential it's essential in this ongoing warfare pray hard pray long pray for your brothers and sisters lift them up in Jesus name to pray hard so as you get in a group this week you can go online. You, there, there's, a, there's something in your worship guide, a QR code. You can take a picture of that. View the groups. I want you to share your prayer requests weekly to cover one another in prayer. Week one, you're going to be like, yeah, we just, we just need prayer for, you know, our, our dog. It's, you know. Week, week five or six, man, I tell you, we struggling in our marriage just had a bad day week nine I haven't told y'all yet but we have a son who's addicted we don't know what to do would you pray for us would you lift us up we need you that's what it's about you need somebody to hold your arms up it's a story of uh, Moses Aaron and her Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Aaron and Hur were his friends. Aaron was his brother. There's a story about them. They're in a war against Amalek. And Moses, the leader, goes on top of a hill and he's looking out over the valley. And with his hand raised, as long as his hand is raised, Israel is winning the war. But if he drops his hand, they start to lose. And the Bible says that Moses' arms became heavy and he couldn't hold them up anymore. So Aaron and Hur, they come alongside Moses and they roll a stone behind Moses. He sits on the stone and and Aaron on one side, Hur on the other. They pick his arms up and they say, we got you. We got you. I just feel like today some of you, your arms are heavy. You've been trying. You're frustrated with life. There's a lot going on and there's, there's so much emotion inside. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know where to go. You haven't told anybody about it. Your arms are heavy. You keep trying. Today's the day. You need somebody to hold your arms up for you. And that's what small groups are about. Would you bow your heads with me today? Let me... Uh, let me pray for, for those of you who your arms are heavy. If that's you, I don't, I don't need to say anything else. If your arms are heavy, come on, just slip up your hand right now. That's me, Pastor Ben. I'm, I'm weary. I'm going through some stuff. I'm tired. I got, I got stuff going on. I'm, 
I just, it's a heaviness. I'm trying to carry it by myself and I can't do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, right now for every hand lifted, I pray, God, that, that these hands would find somebody, that these people would find somebody in their lives to just hold up their arms, to be an Aaron and her to them, that they would get in a group and find transparency and, and become real and that they would, they would take off the mask and settle the yesterdays and find somebody that will love them and pray for them and care for them and 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 encourage them somebody that will partner with them and protect them and somebody that'll lift them up in prayer every single day God I pray that you'd let that reality happen this week in Jesus name with every head still bowed if if you're here and you say Ben I'm far from God you were talking about knowing God earlier and I don't know him but I want to I, I, I want to know him. If, if you're far from God, if you've drifted, maybe you're a Christian and you, you've just kind of turned the other way. You've believed, but, but now you're, you're living your own life. Listen to me. The only relationship you need to even think about today is a relationship with Jesus. Come on, small groups will come, but you need a relationship with Jesus. And today's your day to go all in, to surrender to Jesus, heart, soul, mind, and strength, to let him be your Lord, your Savior. And if I'm talking to you today, I want to lead you in a prayer. You're going to have to decide. You've got to decide to make Jesus your Lord. And if you're ready to decide, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Just say, that's me. Slip your hand up. I see you. Anybody else? Come on, with boldness and courage. I'm ready to go all in with Jesus today. I'm ready to surrender complete control. I see you up top. Anybody else? I'm ready to, I'm, thank you. I see you. Anyone else? I'm ready to go all in. Surrender complete control. I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'm proud of you. All right. Come on, let's say this prayer together. All, all, all of us, every one of us, let's say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, for giving your life for me. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Save me sanctify me work in me make me new I give you my life and from this day forward I will live for you the best that I know how you're my Lord and you're my Savior in Jesus name Amen Amen come on let's thank God today let's thank God for salvation in this place today people knowing God Amen